0: What's up ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. C from The C Report and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to TheCReport.com. At TheSeaReport.com, you can get more information on The Sea Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to TheSeaReport.com, that's www.TheSeaReport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and hill.net
1: That that. and And that that is their their point. point. That is their point. 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 They're not running running to win. win. Unfortunately, they are running to sow discord in America. And it will change everything. We will wake up the morning after election day. We might not even call it that anymore in two years. We might not call call it election day. We might call it election week. Because what we are watching, and because it's so slow it's so slow we don't cover it as a five alarm fire but it is we are watching republicans not just destroying democracy in the dark breaking into election officers and plugging stuff in we're watching them do it from rally stages
2: Debate stages—that's where they're doing it. And and their point? I guess the reason I asked you if we've been here before is, do you? Th-
1: I think it requires, you know, a democracy commission? Should 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 President Obama ask Chris Christie and Ben Ginsburg to sort of man a democracy hotline the way you know people used to man other crises? I mean, what should we do? Well, um, it, it doesn't take a commission. It just takes Republicans that have some character and integrity standing up to these people who have decided That cheating is okay if it lets you win. Um, And what they're doing is cheating. They are actually committing a fraud on the American people. And they're convincing people. You know what's really interesting about this, Nicole? Let's think about this. This has become a huge thing with no evidence. There is no evidence that there was fraud in the election. If there had been evidence, they wouldn't have lost every single court case. There was plenty of audits. There was plenty of review. All of it was done because in America, if you're going to accuse someone of a crime, there must be evidence. But these guys don't need evidence. And that's why this Carrie Lake, I'm gonna talk about her just for a second. She is scary stuff because she's talented at being telegenic. And I got to tell you, Donald Trump better watch out. And I know this is a painful memory for you, but she's like Sarah Palin without a John McCain. And she's somebody I remember when Sarah Palin gave that speech when she accepted the nomination at the convention. I the hairs on the back of my neck stood up because I thought, holy C.R.A.P. This woman can talk and be real and be vulnerable and people are going to like her. And that's what this Carrie Lake is doing. And and did you see her out there vacuuming the rug before Trump got there? I mean, what kind of phony baloney is that? You know, I mean, give me a break. But, you know, she is trying to do all of the stuff that is phony and plays to people that never get beyond the headline. And that's the scariest kind of politician there is, and she's trouble. And so the people of Arizona better get up off the couch and get to voting in this election and realize she is as bad as Donald Trump, in fact, worse, because she's got a shinier package. I remember back in the day, Nicole, when the United States used to send election monitors all over the world to watch and make sure elections were held fairly. If people don't show up and vote in November in these midterms, we will have to have other countries sending monitors to America to watch our votes. Should we ask for that now? I mean, what I are mean- we?
0: Good evening, America. How is everyone doing today? I hope all is well on your side of the screen. Welcome to another edition of the Sea Report. I'm your host, Mr. C, coming to you live on this Monday, October 10th, 2022, also known as Columbus Day. Happy Columbus Day, everyone out there. If you are <clears throat> enjoying a day off or just... Uh, Reminiscing and paying homage to the history of this nation. I hope you had a wonderful day. A lot of stuff that could be said about uh, Columbus Day just opening up here right at the start of the show. But what about that video that we just played opening <laughs> with uh, what was it the MSNBC having a major flip out? I would say that was definitely a major flip out, ladies and gentlemen. And I just thought I'd uh, start us with that little uh little segment there from MSNBC. I mean, they're freaking out over Kerry Lake, they're freaking out over the Republicans, they're freaking out over the elections, they're freaking out over everything, just about right now is what it seems, ladies and gentlemen. Anyhow, what's going on, Monsieur Baez? Ha. <laughs> Thanks for joining us over at Twitch, and I'll get uh, I'll get a hold of all of you guys out there. We're on Odyssey, uh, Foxhole, uh, Pills, Twitch, Rumble, Clout Hub, Trovo. Thanks for being here. I'll get my monitors opened up in just a minute. You guys probably noticed the uh, the slight stalling in the video. Uh, well, let me tell you what this uh, Wi-Fi power over here at the C Studios could use a little bit of uh, a little bit of tweaking sometimes it feels like but let me go and see what's going on real quick. all right and uh, we're just getting down with the get down over at Foxhole. what's up early slot? good to see you sir thanks for being in the audience so soon. All right guys so uh, let's see Monster bias says well it was the English that discovered North America really and established the first colony. Who boy, can I tell you, you know, we it was such a busy weekend though like I I took the weekend off however, we had what uh, two President Trump Save America rallies in one weekend. Wouldn't that crazy guys? We had him over in uh, was in Nevada on I think Saturday, right? And then he was over in Arizona on Sunday. And the Sunday rally was like it just came together pretty abruptly from what i understand it was like a last minute kind of thing so uh pretty crazy huh guys pretty crazy i mean if you're going to be over in the over out west in nevada you might as well make a stop over in arizona right so crazy busy weekend mhm crazy busy weekend had all that going on uh then of course we have uh well we have this uh, Columbus day today, right? I was like, why is my parking lot so full over at the C studios? Should never ever be that full on a Monday. No, it's it's a, it's a holiday. It's a federal holiday. That's what's going on. Of course, and then you have the whole conversation going back, you know, I thought about doing a whole Columbus day thing kind of, you know not a special, but kind of like an acknowledgement because you know, of course there's the battle between the left and uh, they're trying to erase American history. Now, what I was going to say, actually, was in lieu with what Monster Bias said, talking about, you know, North America and the first calling man. I was watching some crazy documentaries. I say crazy, right? But they're probably more true than not, about hidden world history. So I don't know. I I, I pretty much subscribe to uh, where we are in this nation, you know, as far as a patriotic American speaks and uh, how our history got here. But, you know, Does it mean that you can't ask the question and it does not mean that, uh, the jury is still not out on, uh, the verdict. So anyhow, guys, um, what was funny though, is there was actually an article in the, uh, legacy press, the fake news media, where they were actually tearing into the people who talk about, um... The sixteen nineteen project and Columbus Day and how Columbus didn't discover America and how the first slaves were in sixteen nineteen on some plantation in Virginia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There was actually a Legacy Press article. Um, I was reading that tore into that, and said that uh, what was the woman's name? I called her. I called her Pennywise, because she looked like Pennywise to me. But then again, most of these scary women look like Pennywise to me. Um, but. Uh Nicole, Nicole Hannah-Jones or, or Michelle Hannah-Jones or something like that. She's the one who came up with the 1619 Project, right? She came up with the 1619 Project saying, no, 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 no. Uh, it's all wrong with Columbus. It's all wrong with the the Nina, the Pinta and the Santa Maria. It's all about Virginia in 1619. Uh, well, this article is reading Tore into. Here's the article right here. So uh, yeah, Nicole Hannah-Jones. Oh, I wish I hadn't closed her picture. You guys got to see this Pennywise. Would you like to see this swamp creature in a real living color? Let's check it out. Watch, check this out. Now, don't say I didn't warn you. Don't say I didn't warn you. Bam, there is Pennywise. Now this is the founder of the 1619 Project, right? Who says that uh, it had nothing to do with Christopher Columbus, had nothing to do with any of that. Right, I call her again, Pennywise. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, there was this article, uh, this one here that was just tearing into her, uh, saying that she had no right to say that uh, it was all about uh, African-Americans or blacks. uh, And that actually it went into the entire uh, indigenous American history. So anyways, I mean, they're gonna try and uh, destroy uh, the tradition or the history of Christopher Columbus and him coming to America, et cetera. Either way that they can, but it was pretty interesting to see them actually tear apart one of those woke type of uh, narratives and then just supplant it with, I guess something that would be considered more woke. (laughs) Uh, Monsieur Baez says, I don't know much about uh, early American history. I thought Columbus and the Spanish were all South America. Well, I mean, it's pretty crazy, sir. There's a lot of unknown history. Mm -hmm. A lot of unknown history. I'll have to keep watching those crazy six-hour documentaries I watch about hidden world history. And I'll report back to you guys, I promise. What's going on, Skeeterberg? Good to see you. I sent out my letter. Awesome. I can't wait to get a reply. Maybe we can get together and I'll do like a reply type of uh, episode on Lone Star News. For those of you who are wondering, Skeeter Burke joining us over at uh, pill.net, foxhole.app, participated in a uh, county commissioner write-in. We're writing the commissioner to tell him to declare a border invasion in our respective counties, right, very cool. Hey Unchained01, good to see you. Thank you for gifting the can, thank you so much. Alright guys, so anyways, that was a couple uh oh, what an interesting open here. Let's get back to that video though, right? Let's get back to that video. Uh, did you guys happen to catch it by any chance? Did y'all cap ha, did y'all happen to catch it? Okay, we had MSNBC freaking out over Kerry Lake over elections. And uh oh over election theft. I mean you guys saw it. it's it's just ridiculous. And, you know and even the host was like we're going to have to turn this into election week, okay? They're already telling us their plans, but we already knew that. We saw it in action, I'm sure everyone recalls November 3, 2020. But did you catch something else that they were saying uh th- that one host kept on asking, oh, we're gonna have to make like a democracy commission now, right? We're gonna have to make a democracy commission. Oh, do you mean like HR1? Do you mean like trying to federalize our elections? Because they already tried to do that. In fact, some could argue that our uh, elections are federalized because uh, for some odd reason, the Department of Homeland Security is actually running a lot of elections in various states across the nation. I'll try and do a follow-up on that as soon as I can. But she was talking about this democracy commission. Really? Did you hear what she said? She says, we're going to have to get Obama to tell everyone to like be on this commission. Like, why does Obama have to be involved here? You know? I mean, last we checked, didn't he have a fair and secure election? (laughs) Anyways, I I don't understand. You know, that's very telling. Like, maybe this MSDNC um, acting actor, this actor, maybe they know what's going on. Maybe they know Obama is calling the shots. Maybe they're aware that Obama is in the ear hole of one Joe Biden just yammering away. Obama will have to ask Obama to tell uh, the Democrats to make this commission. And then you had the other lady saying uh, we're, that it's all cheating and that um, the Republicans are encouraging cheating and that it's okay to cheat as long as you win. Really? Really, Democrat. Talking head. Contender. She wants to know when the American people are going to stand up to Republicans cheating in elections. Not to mention, she also continued this uh, lie about uh, there being absolutely no election evidence. We all know the answer to those questions and quandaries now, don't we, ladies and gentlemen? Of course we do. So uh, Democrats, well, the globalists, they're in total freefall panic. I mean, I'm sure some of you guys heard and or read that article about uh, Mr. Barry Sotero Doing what? Not even showing up to stump for his fellow Democrats in these elections. That's pretty bad. You know, that's pretty bad. I mean, uh, he must not like to lose. (laughs) But uh, that probably goes without saying, ladies and gentlemen. That probably goes without saying. But yeah, he's not going to stand up there and humiliate himself. Not when he's so close to being impeached. Wait, am I talking about Obama? Oh, you better believe I'm talking about Obama. You better believe. Hi, D Patriot, 1776 Great to see you tonight. Good evening, good evening. And uh, thank you for donating the uh, cookie. Much appreciated. All right, y'all. So uh, interesting stuff, that to kind of open up today's show. And then, uh, of course, you know, there's stuff going on in uh, Ukraine and Russia. I'm sure you guys heard about that happening over the weekend it's like more escalation ladies and gentlemen more escalation one has to wonder where exactly it's gonna go. you know is it going to uh, lead into a full world a full-blown world war just like the globalists need and desire? Will it just serve as uh, more of a distraction so that this way no one is uh, going into Ukraine and investigating Burisma and investigating, uh, you know, all of their corrupt agencies and law enforcement supposed agencies? You know, maybe that was the whole reason why Ukraine happened, because as long as Putin was bombing the Nazis, then no one could go into Ukraine and ask for an investigation into the Bidens. You know, in a world where everything above the surface is a stage, that actually makes some sense, right there, guys. That actually makes a lot of sense, and it would also uh, it would also put a, a feather in the cap of the uh, Putin new world order naysayers, right? I mean, yeah, I guess I guess he's going to be an enemy, right? But he is the enemy of our enemy. So uh, can't you just be his friend temporarily, at least? Anyways, so a lot of stuff happened in um, Ukraine and Crimea, guys, uh, because the referendum did occur. uh, The uh, four regions did ascend to the Russian Federation. And uh, now the Nazis are like, well, let's just go ahead and attack these, uh, these regions. Crimea, though, they did say that they would be going there and trying to reclaim it if uh, Putin didn't stop with his special military operation. So you know what? We might dip into a little bit of that tonight, guys. A little bit of that tonight. Some election stories, got some Trump statements. Always a good time and always informative. In fact, let's go ahead and let's pull up those statements. All right. I hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. I hope you guys enjoyed your double header. Trump rallies this past weekend. I know I was not uh, present and accounted for, but I was there in spirit, I promise. And um, man, what an momentous event, guys. What a momentous event. Let's see here what we got from President Trump coming on in. We actually had several... um, Several endorsements from President Trump from all the way from Alaska to Texas to the East Coast. Let's see what President Trump's got to share with us today. Goes this way. Kelly Shibaka is doing very well in Alaska, probably leading horrendously bad Senator Lisa Murkowski, a Republican, barely. The Democrat has no chance, and yet the old broken crow, Mitch McConnell, is authorizing $9 million to be spent in order to uh, beat a great Republican, Kelly, instead of $9 million that could be used for Blake Masters and other Republicans, uh, that with this money would beat their Democrat opponent. Isn't it ironic? Yeah, that wasn't the only uh, only story I had done heard told. Uh, um, it appears that the uh, Republican Party, uh, uh, the establishment, I mean, like the official the official ones up on Capitol Hill, right? Uh, they are diverting their money guys from uh, Trump supporting make America great again, save America, Republicans to Democrats to establishment candidates. It's pretty troublesome, guys. I mean, they're making it pretty easy for us to see the rhino in them, wouldn't you guys say? I would say they're making it really easy for us to see the rhino in them. But the question is, will we be awake enough to do anything about it? Now, I know there are a lot of people in my audience that will not uh, send one red penny to the Republican uh, Party nationally speaking, Uh, and uh, that's with good reason, guys. That's with good reason. And now we see them, the Republican establishment rhinos funneling money into Democrats and into establishment rhino contenders. Yeah, ironic. I don't know if that's as ironic as it is disgusting, right? (laughs) Next statement from President Trump, a wonderful patriot, Corey Mills, is running for Congress in Florida's 7th Congressional District as a pro-America, pro-law enforcement, and pro-Trump champion for our beloved Make America Great Again movement. Corey has long been a great fighter for our country, and he's decorated a decorated U.S. Army combat veteran who has fought bravely all over the world. Great statement there from President Trump for Corey Mills in Florida but he's not done yet. Let's see what else President Trump has to share about Corey Mills. He says, Corey has served in Iraq, Afghanistan, Kosovo, and has even traveled to Ukraine recently to provide information for USAID or USAID and State Department officials. When everyone else is running away from the fights that are tough, Corey Mills is willing to fight back and uh, is willing to stay back and fight. He loves our country, loves the great state of Florida, and he will never let us down. Corey Mills has my complete and total endorsement. Excellent, excellent. Oh, now we got a Texas fellow here, Nathaniel Moran. Boy, we just mentioned him today on Lone Star News. Nathaniel Moran of uh, District 1, Texas Congressional District. He is a representative. Well, here's what uh, President Trump had to say about um, Mr. Moran. He says, as the judge of Smith County, Nathaniel is a proven conservative who knows how to lower taxes, grow the economy and create jobs. He strongly supports our brave law enforcement and veterans, election integrity, secure borders and our under siege Second Amendment. Nathaniel Moran is a champion of our America First agenda. And he has my complete and total endorsement. Wouldn't that cool, guys? Formerly Smith County judge, now running for congressman in uh, Texas's first congressional district. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I'm glad we uh, got to kind of shine a spotlight on him this afternoon just a a smidge. Just a smidge. All right. I think this is uh, our final um, endorsement from President Trump. Let's take another look. One last gander. Kelly Cooper will be an incredible congressman for the people of Arizona's fourth congressional district. A United States Marine veteran, Kelly knows how to strengthen our military, care for our veterans, secure our border, and support our brave law enforcement. As a small businessman, Kelly will work hard to grow the economy and hold Joe Biden and Greg Stanton who is beholden to the radical left, accountable for their colossal incompetence. Kelly Cooper has my complete and total endorsement. All right, guys, Alaska to Florida and uh, Texas to Arizona. There are some statements, some endorsements from President Trump. And our final statement from President Trump, well said, sir, bring back Columbus Day to the United States of America. (laughs) There we go, guys. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Our Trump statements for today. All right, guys. Okay. Let's see what we got going on here. What's going on, Philly Q? Good evening, good to see you, friend. Thank you for gifting the cookie. I am and will continue to be an anarchist. (laughs) Well, god bless it, Philly really cute. <laughs> That's cool. Thank you for the cookie. I appreciate your support. And you get you go on with your bad self, my friend. Go on with your bad self, okay? <laughs> so, we had an interesting little bit of a conversation. What's going on, Torcana? Good to see you or Torcana, pardon me. Uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to the uh, chat room. We had a uh, a little bit of an interesting conversation going on during Lone Star News today. Now, keeping in mind, Lone Star News is all about you know uh, Texas news and current events, but you know with the live audience, you can't always guarantee they'll stay on topic, right? <laughs> Anyhow, uh, one of uh, one of our audience members over at Twitch was um, uh, asking and making statements regarding uh, President Trump's statements about. Um, Well, about the, uh, about all of the documents and all of the files, uh, you know, um, you know, the whole NARA drama that's going on right now. And so I guess it was during the, uh, well, President Trump had said this prior to. The rallies this past weekend, but he did say um, a statement to the effect, paraphrasing that, you know, Obama took millions of documents from the White House and the National Association and uh, sorry, National Archives and Records Administration. And uh, Bill Clinton did the same thing. George W. Bush did the same thing. So um, I was, well, let's let's figure this out and see if President Trump was lying because, well, the um, Uh, The audience member, I guess, was inferring that President Trump had lied about it. Well, you know, I know that I've heard even from when President Obama left the White House and I think uh, Bush as well. I can clearly remember hearing uh, talking pundits and, you know, people going on and on about how they had taken these presidential documents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I know, guys, that's a terrible face to have on the screen, right? Right. Uh, but the question then was, did Obama store millions of documents after his presidency? Okay? So I dug down I dug around a little bit, and this is what I found. Okay, So apparently, there was a letter from the Obama Foundation uh, that addressed them taking and storing and archiving, I guess, letters, documents, et cetera. Let's take a look real quick. Let's see if it's let's see if it squares away. This bit of information that seems to be uh, puzzling some viewers, Obama Foundation stored classified documents in a warehouse letter reveals the Obama Foundation stored classified documents in an abandoned furniture warehouse according to a 2018 letter from the uh, Obama Foundation to the National Archives and, uh, let's see here, yeah, National Archives and uh, Records Administration. I'm popping open up the other link. Sorry about that. The letter, which is available on the Obama Foundation website, reveals that the Obama Foundation admitted to storing the classified documents, classified, in a warehouse that does not meet the NARA standards for secure storage. Despite being aware of the Obama Foundation's doing, NARA has not referred the matter to the DOJ, which they did in the case of President Trump. Okay. So uh, let's see here. A section of this letter from the Obama Foundation reads, The Obama Foundation agrees to transfer up to $3,300,000 to the National Archives Trust Fund to support the move of classified and unclassified Obama presidential records and artifacts from Hoffman Estates to NARA-controlled facilities that conform to the agency's archival storage standards for such records and artifacts, and for the modification of such spaces. spaces. The first transfer of $300,000 was already made on August 9th, 2018. An additional interim transfer will be made within 180 days of that date. Subsequent payments are subject to the negotiation of terms of the uh, digitization process and museum operations. So... um, Yeah, that pretty much says that right there. Yes, uh, he did pay for the storage of classified and unclassified documents. Does it get any deeper? Let's find out. A 2018 report from the Daily Herald confirms that the Obama Foundation had rented storage spaces from Hoffman Estates in order to store the documents. While no firm date has been announced for the completion and opening of the Barack Obama Presidential Library near the University of Chicago, its future contents will stay in Hoffman Estates for four years. For more years, wrote the Herald, village board members unanimously approved an extension to the special use permit that enables landlord Hoffman Estates Medical Development, LLC, to lease the 74,200 square foot former Plunkett furniture store at 2500 West Gulf Road to the National Archives and Records Administration through December 31st, 2026. This past August, the Obama Foundation extended their original lease on the property for an additional four years. Storage of classified documents at the uh, suburban Chicago retail space has seemingly been common knowledge for years. A March 2019 article on the website of WBEZ-FM, a Chicago-based radio station, was titled, What's That Building? Why This Hoffman Estates Warehouse Stores Barack Obama's Presidential Papers. The article reads, if you drove past this suburban building, you likely would not suspect it houses the classified and non-classified documents from Barack Obama's eight years as president. More than 20 truckloads of papers were brought from Washington, D.C. to this shuttered Plunkett furniture store in Hoffman Estates in early 2017. Author Dennis Rodkin goes on to say that digitizing the documents will allow the Obama Foundation to save quite a bit of money. Okay, not worried about the money they're going to save, right? The article goes on to confirm that the property does indeed house both classified and unclassified documents. The article states the documents won't stay in Hoffman Estates forever. Under the digitizing plan, the National Archives will get custody of all the fiscal papers once they've been put online. The unclassified documents will go to a National Archives storage facility near Kansas City, Missouri, and the classified ones will go back to Washington, D.C. So Obama still has some classified docs, huh? Isn't that interesting? It also provided insight into the lax security situation at the facility. Until the digitizing work begins, the documents will stay in Hoffman Estates behind the small security gate installed at the parking lot entrance. Boy, it's almost like they want people to go and steal all these documents and records, right? They're like, uh, security there is there from nine to five. They're away for an hour at lunch. Uh, and uh, they usually leave their punch out cards where you can see. They leave a big old sign that says out for lunch, right? That's that's pretty bad, guys. <laughs> that's pretty bad. I mean, to me, that's ripe for like uh, malignance documents reportedly stored at former president trump's mar-a-lago their words not mine's estate were stored in a lock room secret service agents also guarded the property around the clock uh sounds like that's a lot more than what president former uh wait president select i mean uh president impeached barack obama right sounds like they had a lot more security around those documents but uh You know, I guess uh, Barack Obama's... What do you think his secret documents are? World domination? Right? Definitely nothing that would bring down the deep state. So I guess they can just stay in this unsecure place in Chicago. In the uh, Huffman estate. So I guess that answers that question. I mean, it didn't answer the question if uh, 3 million documents, right... If 3 million documents were being stored by Obama, but definitely $3,300,000 was transferred to help move those classified and unclassified documents. Point being, classified, unclassified, stored in Illinois, okay, still there until 2026, classified and unclassified. So hopefully that clears up that matter. I think it clears it up to me, guys. I don't know about you all, but definitely for me, it does. It definitely does. Hey, Sean Joe, what's going on, sir? Good evening. Thank you so much for gifting the cookie, my friend. I see you too. <laughs> Awesomeness. All right, guys, let's see what else we got going on. Oh, 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 wait, what's this? Oh, it's the PJ Media. My bad. PJ Media article, NARA kept classified documents in a furniture warehouse, not the Obama Foundation. Oh, and this one was just uh, published at the end of the month, last month. Hmm. Oh, but there seems to be no article. Or is there? Nope. I see no article. Oh, I guess it's one of those login paywalls. Okay. All right, guys, here's what's next. We finally made it we have the John Durham, Igor Danchenko trial this week, ladies and gentlemen. Trial is, uh, set to start tomorrow over in, uh, was it New York? <laughs> so, all right. So this is, uh, one of those moments that we've all been waiting for guys. Um, you know, I was, uh, perusing some, uh, articles on the, uh, browser's um, newsfeed. There's a couple of articles out there saying this is Durham's last-ditch effort. There are articles out there saying if Durham doesn't get Danchenko, it's over. It's curtains. And that Durham will just have to submit his report. So we'll definitely have to pay attention to this one. Uh, Trial is beginning, like I said again, tomorrow. Uh, That is Igor Danchenko. Of course, he is accused of lying to the uh, FBI. Now, uh, some uh, interesting things going on with this um, trial. Uh, first of all, uh, John Durham himself will actually be uh, overseeing this trial, ladies and gentlemen, for his legal team. Skeeter says, watch party. <laughs> I don't think there's gonna be any uh, any televised documentation of this um proceeding unfortunately right because it's southern district isn't it don't they that's that district where they don't allow any type of televising Uh, we'll, we'll we'll clear that question up in just a sec don't worry guys but um as i was saying um john durham will actually actually be spearheading this particular trial in the case of michael sussman Durham had his legal team handling those proceedings, but uh, not this time, guys, not this time. Uh, John Durham will most definitely, most definitely uh, be presenting during this proceeding. It should be pretty interesting. Uh, The face of the man that you see on the screen there is a man by the name of Judge Anthony Trenga, and uh, he is a Bush-appointed judge uh, George W. Bush appointed judge. And, uh, he sat on the, um, FISA courts previously prior to, uh, serving in this role. So, um, we'll see where it goes guys, as far as that, as far as that's concerned. Now with the case of, uh, Igor Danchenko, John Durham, there's been a lot of kind of like, um, A lot of um, motions filed, et cetera, uh, between uh, the conclusion of Sussman's um, trial and uh, the beginning of this one. Uh, One of the ones most recently we had, I think, here, talking about how uh, Durham's list of witnesses was being allowed to be kept secret until today, which was uh, the day before the trial started. Let's take a look at what this article says real quick. This is from Washington Times. Uh, it says here, this past Friday, uh, the, a, judge, a federal judge said that special counsel John Durham can keep his list of witnesses under wraps ahead of the criminal trial against a Russian analyst who is a key source for the now debunked 2016 dossier. The one-page order from United States District Judge Anthony Trenga did not explain the reasoning behind his decision. It came just hours after Mr. Durham asked to keep his witnesses list under seal until Monday, one day before the trial of Igor Danchenko, is scheduled to begin. Durham wrote, given that this case has garnered significant media attention, the government is concerned about the potential harassment of of its witnesses should they be identified this far in advance of the trial. Mr. Durham added that he had already disclosed the witness list to Mr. Danchenko's legal team, which did not object to sealing it. Mr. Danchenko was a key source for the dossier. Verify. Okay, we already know all that, uh, all that um, history here with Danchenko and uh, Christopher Steele. So uh, that is um, something to keep an eye on. I see some of you guys are pulling out the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Tranga the Strangler. Sean Joe says any judge who gets a DC job is a crooked repub or dem. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Northern Virginia is Washington, DC. Awesomeness. Thank you, Mr. Sean Joe. Thank you, Mr. Sean Joe. All right, and uh, we got another piece of information here. Let's take a look at this one. Just getting us set up for the trial. Getting us set up for the trial. Okay. Now here it says, Durham appears to be nearing the end of his criminal investigation with his grand jury in the nation's capital, Reportedly expiring recently. So the Danchenko trial may be his final shot at redemption in a courtroom after losing another false statements case earlier this year. But the judge handling the case has indicated the trial may be difficult for the special counsel. Ah, George W. Bush appointed judge saying that it might be difficult for John Durham. Is that surprising? Not at all. Judge Anthony Tranga, who is presiding over the Danchenko case, ruled in late September that he would not dismiss Durham's indictment, but he expressed skepticism about the charges. The judge said he would revisit his ruling after Durham's team had presented its full case during the trial. Tranga, a George W. Bush appointee, who has sat on the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, added, I think it's an extremely close call, particularly with one count. And that count is related to the charge tied to Charles Dolan. The special counsels previously highlighted how Danchenko was the subject of um, what he said was a botched FBI counterintelligence investigation as a national security threat from uh, 2009 to 2011, and Durham wanted findings from that investigation, which unearthed links between the defendant and Russian intelligence officers to be used at trial but Trenga denied Durham's request last week. So that doesn't bode well. The judge also denied the special counsel's request to provide evidence showing Danchenko allegedly misled about the sourcing for the unfounded P-tape, claims that Steele put into his anti-Trump and Democratic-funded dossier, as well as limited a host of other evidence Durham had sought to show the jury. Related to Danchenko's alleged propensity to fabricate sources or be dishonest. So they can't, uh, they're not even allowing Durham to get Danchenko on character, like, you know, character flaws. That's crazy. I guess it's got to be as clean a cut or a pinch as possible, huh? Danchenko was on the FBI's payroll. We all knew this, guys, from 2017 to 2020. Before he was charged in 2021, despite the false statements, charges, the Russian lawyers team told the court, the jury will hear evidence. The FBI was happy with Danchenko's work for them and that the Bureau used the information he provided to build cases and open investigations. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, guys. Yep, Sean, Joe. I hear that. Thank you again for the cookie, sir. It's, uh, Sean Joe says, DC judges are there to protect DC corruption. You know, it's just, it's so funny to me with how blatant and in the face it is that everyone can see it. You know, even people who don't have a dog in the race, so to speak, or a horse in the race, so to speak. It gets pretty crazy, guys, but uh, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. But uh, that starts tomorrow, guys. That's pretty exciting. Pretty exciting, if not somewhat nerve-wracking. But hey, as long as we have faith, we should be fine, right? All right, next story, guys. This one's an interesting one here. Now, uh, when was it on? um, I think it was on Friday. We're talking about uh, the state of Texas. Yeah, it was Friday because we were talking about uh, we were talking about the uh, Texas 2022 midterm comptroller's election, right? Oh, of all of the elections that you talk about, why on earth are you talking about the comptroller? Well, because we've got to uh, show all the Texan voters who's on the list, right? Who's on the ballot? Anyways, uh, Texas comptroller incumbent Republican Glenn Hegar. Uh, We talked about on Friday how he had uh, released a list of corporations that were woke, right? And uh, that they were um, new laws were on Texas books to penalize them if they were, um, you know, doing funny things with the energy industry, right? Trying to make it green and woke and all that stuff. Well, it appears more states have begun to divest from woke corporations. BlackRock, just like in Texas, being one of the main corporations that uh, states are divesting from, you know? It's a pretty clear signal here, guys, a pretty clear signal. The people of America do not like wokeness. The people of America do not like this politically correct nonsense, okay? The businesses thought they could strong arm us, right? through influence, through power moves. People of America have spoken. The people of America have spoken. And uh, as they say, go woke, go broke. I think I like what President Trump says about the wokeness better than uh, go woke, go broke, right? Right, what does President Trump say? Everything woke turns to what? It turns into S-H-I-T, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, So in this latest story about BlackRock losing or being divested from, uh, it appears the state of South Carolina is uh, the next one to um, divest from BlackRock's holdings. Let's check it out. Getting this one. Actually, this one's coming out of the Legacy Press, right? You think they're going to spin some yarns here? You think they're going to tell any bit of truth? You think they're going to lie to us? It says, South Carolina will be divesting all of its BlackRock holdings by the end of the year, all of them, the latest instance of backlash from Republican state officials over the investment firm's stance on fossil fuels. State Treasurer Curtis Loftus's office confirmed the plan to the Washington Examiner on Monday. His office said, Loftus has already been removing BlackRock managed funds over the past five years and is in the process of divesting the final $200 million of BlackRock holdings by year's end. That is insane. Loftus says, I will not allow our financial partners to undermine my fiduciary responsibility to maximize investment returns while accepting a prudent level of risk for the benefit of our citizens. It is imperative that we stand up to BlackRock and resist the pressure to simply fall in line with their leftist world view. I don't know, guys, that sounds like another win to me. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like a win to me. It almost makes me want to throw up the firecrackers, <laughs> but that's not ready just yet, okay? All right, uh, article goes on to say, The news comes just days after Louisiana state treasurer told BlackRock CEO Larry Fink to stuff it. No, just kidding. Uh, They told CEO Larry Fink that the state is divesting all of its treasury funds from the investment firm because of its pursuit of environmental, social and governance standards, also known as ESG and accusations that it intends to move away from the fossil fuel industry allegations it denied. Louisiana State Treasurer John Schroeder announced that the state has divested $560 million, which will increase to $794 million over the coming months as Louisiana exits BlackRock Money Market Funds, Mutual Funds, and Exchange Traded Fund Holdings. Your blatantly anti-fossil fuel policies would destroy Louisiana's economy. Schroeder said in his letter to Fink, this divestment is necessary to protect Louisiana from actions and policies that would actively seek to hamstring our fossil fuel sector. In my opinion, your support of ESG, again, that stands for Environmental, Social, and Government Standards, Governance Standards, your support of ESG investing is inconsistent with the best economic interests and values of Louisiana. In addition to South Carolina and Louisiana, Utah Treasurer Marlow Oakes said he has yanked about $100 million in state funds from BlackRock. And Arkansas State Treasurer Dennis Milligan divested some $125 million out of money market accounts managed by the firm which is the largest money manager in the world in total the actions by the state treasurers will equate to more than one billion dollars in divested funds by year's end blackrock has responded to the divestments and other threats from gop state treasurers and attorneys general with a public awareness campaign oh a public awareness campaign OK, a public awareness campaign pushing back on characterizations that it is boycotting the energy industry and has gone woke in its investment strategies. On Friday, BlackRock launched a webpage committed to setting the record straight about how it handles investment decisions and disclosure and its pursuit of ESG. BlackRock claims its views on climate risks are not unique. And its new web page noted that an overwhelming majority of companies in the S&P 500 publish sustainability reports. Uh, The web page from BlackRock says the energy industry plays a crucial role in the economy. And on behalf of our clients, BlackRock has invested $170 billion in U.S. public energy companies. We are also partnering with energy companies and startups to fund new technology and innovations that will power the global economy now and in the future. Blah, blah, blah. B.S. In August, in August 19, GOP attorneys general also sent a letter to Fink challenging his firm's commitment to ESG priorities. They claimed BlackRock's policies are undercutting shareholders profits in managing state pension funds. In response, Dahlia Blass, BlackRock's head of external affairs, said in a letter to the group of attorneys general that climate change is becoming a major risk and that investors and clients want to be apprised of the risks in order to achieve better returns. Blass said governments representing over 90% of global GDP have committed to moving to net zero in the coming decades. We be- You know what? Who cares? Who cares what other governments want to do? That's not what we want to do. It's not what we want to do, you know? And it's just like, uh, that's when uh, the um, the comptroller's race, and, and in this case, it would be the treasurer's race, right? If you're talking about Utah or, or uh, Virginia, their, their state treasurer, well, our comptroller, right? Our, our state accountant, you know? Same things here, guys, you know, because they want to invest in what green energy is that the kind of energy that they're talking about investing in here? Right. BlackRock's investing in what windmills they're investing in what solar panels. And somehow that's supposed to make up for already the enormous deficits and the uh, the the gigantic amounts of money that we're spending just to uh, keep our energy on, you know. You know, summer's coming to an end. Those bills better start going down, right? <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens. Torcana, have a great night. Thank you so much. Thanks for dropping a link Philly Q in the uh, chat room over there. Let's see. Looks like you, uh, you're dropping a uh, Russia, a Russia story. Cool. I'll, uh, I'll keep that one prepped because we'll talk about Russia a little bit probably before we close the night off, y'all. But yeah, you know, that's very encouraging, guys. All of these states divesting from BlackRock, right? You know, I think I was kind of new to the whole BlackRock vanguard thing. I think it was uh, Aurelius Locke who had uh, informed me about them. You know, and and this was like, what, maybe about, was it a year ago already? I wouldn't have thought, you know, a giant uh, behemoth like BlackRock would... uh, would start to bleed so quickly, ladies and gentlemen. But again, that tells you the state of the mind that the people and the nation are in, as far as that goes, and uh, what we're willing to accept. Thank goodness we have elected representatives who are heeding, heeding the will of their constituents, but you know, not to be cynical, but uh, they probably have money invested in there somewhere as well, right? Probably. I would I would not doubt it. Ladies and gentlemen, all right guys, so that's some world news and world views for the United States of America, America first concerns, right? Woke corporations going broke, excellent. Mhm. Columbus Day on the rise and return, excellent. Igor Danchenko set to uh hit trials tomorrow. We'll pray for it. But it's time to get into some of those election stories, guys, I know you wanna hear about them. I only got a couple for you today. First one is gonna be uh, in regards to our favorite Secretary of Snakes. That is not a title one should covet. The Sea Report's favorite Secretary of Snakes, Jocelyn Benson, good old Snake Eyes herself, right? I, I have to do this every time, guys, right? Good old snake eyes herself, right? Right, okay. I have not seen her pop up in any reptilian videos just yet, but I'm sure she'll make it there eventually. (laughs) Anyways, it appears that uh, Jocelyn Benson is being sued again. You would think that she would be used to getting sued by now. She probably is used to getting sued by now. She's probably buddy buddies with a lot of the judges and uh, district attorneys, I would not doubt ladies and gentlemen. But uh, it really should not surprise any of the viewers of this show that Jocelyn Benson is being sued yet again. Jocelyn Benson, Secretary of Snakes of Michigan, what? Being sued for what? Breaking election laws? Never, right? Nah, Jocelyn Benson would never do such a thing. Uh, What, um, uh, subverting um, um, legislation and uh, making up her own rules and regulations? Jocelyn Benson, Secretary of Snakes, unheard of, ladies and gentlemen. Now, she needs to get used to getting sued. She's getting sued again. Uh, This comes from 100% Fed Up. Lawsuit filed by Michigan residents demands Michigan's dirty Secretary of Snakes, Jocelyn Benson, rescinds newly created unconstitutional rules to make poll challengers' job in upcoming elections almost impossible. That is a mouthful for a headline, guys, right? I feel like I don't need to read the rest of the article. (laughs) But, you know, this was something that we did see occurring uh, throughout 2020, guys. Now, as everyone knows now, you know, it is state legislatures, you know, the lawmaking body, right? They are the ones who uh, create election law in their states, respectively, right? It's not a federal thing, okay? It's not a secretary of state thing. It's not a county clerk thing. It's not a county commissioner or judge thing either. It is the prerogative of the lawmakers. In 2020, we saw a whole bunch of secretaries of snakes who were like, oh yes, this uh, pandemic is like the coming of uh, God for us because now we get to rule Elections. And that is what they did. You know, we saw cases just about across the board, but really where we were examining, like in Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Arizona, in Colorado, we really saw these secretaries of snakes really stand up to the challenge of a pre-planned pandemic and try and snowball the constituents with their own ideas of how you should run an election. This is why it's no surprise to me that Jocelyn Benson is being sued yet again. She did it in 2020. She was sued over in 2020. The courts held that she was wrong to have created her own little uh, election day, how do you do it" instructions, okay? You can't do that. And, And now she's creating more unconstitutional rules, okay, against poll challengers. So let's see what it's all about, guys. Let's take a look. Because I'm telling you guys, Jocelyn Benson, she really knew how to rack up all of the fraud and criminality in that state. Prime example of what kind of a Secretary of Snake not to be. Five individuals in Michigan are suing Michigan's dishonest Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, and Michigan's Director of Elections, Jonathan Brader, over their sudden creation of a new set of rules titled the appointments, rights, and duties of poll challengers and election workers only months before Michigan's August 2nd, 2022 primary election. The lawsuit asks for an emergency injunction that compels Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson and Jonathan Brader to rescind their unconstitutional changes to their newly created guidance. On the day of the primary election in Detroit under the new guidance of Michigan Soros funded Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, Jonathan Brader, an unknown third party security group by the name of ICU, through Braden uh, Geo Gobazzi, an independent poll challenger out of the former TCFU center, um, now the Huntington place for okay. Let me retry this, guys, because Monday. Okay, so on the day of the primary election in Detroit, under the new guidance of Jocelyn Benson and Jonathan Brader, an unknown third party security group called ICU threw Braden Giogabazzi, who is an independent poll challenger, out of the former TCF center. Okay, I think we got that down, right? Okay. Now, the reason why this Brayden Gio- Giacobazzi, um, again, an independent poll challenger, was thrown out was because he was asking too many legitimate questions about the ballots and the processes that he claimed were not being followed, okay? Um, now, there was a video that was taken by 100% Fed Up, and we'll take a look at it in a minute, um, that shows the incident where uh, this uh, gentleman, Braden Giagabazzi, is being, um, I guess he's being escorted out or he's being removed by a Detroit police officer. It is a very respectful interaction. And in the video, uh, Braden describes how they are violating election laws when they threw him out of the counting facility. Now, Benson's new rules are just one more example of how she uses her position as Secretary of State to demonize, mischaracterize, and tie the hands of GOP and independent poll challengers behind their backs while empowering election workers who, in many cases, were hostile to the GOP and independent poll challengers at the TCF Center in 2020. Three of the five individuals who are plaintiffs in this case served as poll challengers in Detroit. During the most contentious counting of absentee ballots in Michigan history, the GOP and independent poll challengers, whose only goal was to ensure free and fair elections in 2020, quickly became targets of what appeared to be a coordinated attack by select election workers, supervisors, and election officials. The majority of the over 200 poll challengers who signed sworn affidavits after working at the TCF Center on the day after the 2020 election attested to the targeting, threatening, and intimidating behavior by election workers, yet to the best of our knowledge, not one affidavit was filed that cited the same or similar behavior by GOP poll challengers directed at election workers. And uh, they have some examples of the, here are only two examples of affidavits filed by poll challengers citing intimidation and a total disregard By election workers for their challenges number one at each counting board the poll workers attempted to block me from observing i was verbally abused and intimidated by not only the democratic poll challengers but the aclu and other organizations i observed a poll worker attempt to match the voter to the paper log when she was unable to make the match she would put the spoiled ballot into a separate pile and go away from the counting board for a while She would return approximately 20 to 30 minutes later and return the spoiled ballots to the pile of ballots to be counted. I observed this same poll worker do the same process over many tables and over many hours. I attempted to challenge these ballots to a supervisor and was told, we are not talking to you. You cannot challenge this. Here's from another affidavit. At each counting board, the poll workers attempted to block me from observing. I was verbally abused and intimidated by not only... uh, It sounds like it's the same person. Although there were many cases of poll challenger intimidation, not the least of which occurred when the GOP and independent poll challengers were locked out of the counting room at the TCF center, not one election worker was ever charged for their illegal behavior. Okay. Oh, but what are they saying instead? They're talking like that DNC clip I played at the head of the show today where they're like, poll challengers are being uh, threatened and uh, we need uh, we need um, election commission to come in here and uh, change things up and to uh, tell us how it's going to be, right? Uh, oh, and it's dangerous for us. Oh, it's dangerous for them, right? I mean, one has to ask, why is there even a danger if everything is on the up and up? Well, the danger comes from, of course, an irate constituency, right, who are finally fed up. But, but, we're taking this the long way, okay? Here's what Michigan law clearly states, ladies and gentlemen threatening or intimidating an election challenger is a felony. Um, MCL, It says uh, $168, wait, challengers, preventing presence penalty, any officer or election board who shall prevent the presence of any such challenger as above provided or shall refuse or fail to provide such challenger with conveniences for the performance of the duties expected of him shall upon conviction be punished by a fine not exceeding $1,000, $1,000, or by imprisonment in the state prison not exceeding two years, or by both such fine and imprisonment in the discretion of the court. The lawsuit filed by attorney Ann Howard on September 29, 2022, addresses the current election laws and seeks to prevent Jocelyn Benson and Jonathan Brader from issuing further guidance that would make it easier for election workers to berate and intimidate poll challengers with no chance to address their behavior with anyone at the absentee counting facilities. From the lawsuit, instead of faithfully adhering to Michigan Election Law and Administrative Procedures Act of 1969, Defendants Benson and Brader, via the May 22nd, May 2022 directive, unilaterally issued fatally flawed guidance to local election officials. This guidance includes instructions that are either foreign to or in direct conflict with the clear language of MCL 168.733 and other election law provisions. In such instances, the guidance is invalid unless and until promulgated in a manner compliant with the Administrative Procedures Act of 1969. In this case, plaintiffs express concerns that defendants Benson and Brader, by uh, issuing improper guidance, may in effect foment election inspectors to unknowingly trample on the rights of their election challenger counterparts, The disagreement of that which constitutes proper and lawful behavior may give rise to improper allegations of disorderly conduct levied against election challengers. Defendant Benson is further intimidating election challengers into acquiescing their rights and responsibilities through public statements, depicting them as violent extremists, and is self-prophesying future election day discontent through distribution of training materials, maintaining the same tone. Let's not forget Jocelyn Benson said that uh, she's expecting election day violence. I think all the Democrats are expecting violence. All candidates whose name will appear on the Michigan ballot on November 8, 2022, have an interest in ensuring poll challengers, whose job is to ensure free and fair elections, are being conducted, are not being prohibited from doing their job by election workers with an agenda. The two non poll challengers listed on the lawsuit against Benson and Brader are Penny Kreider, who's running for a seat in the Michigan State House in the 17th District, and Penny's husband, Kenneth Kreider, who is running for a seat in the Michigan State Senate in the 6th District of Michigan. According to the lawsuit, both Penny and Kenneth Kreider, who will appear on the ballot on November 8th, 2022, have a unique substantial interest in the manner from the citizenry at large in ensuring an open, transparent, and lawful election process, which poll challengers in part ensure. Jocelyn Benson and Jonathan Brader's unconstitutional changes to Michigan election law would essentially make poll challengers subject to the whims of election workers and place them in a position where hostile election workers of which there were many in 2020's election, have the ability to overrule objections made by the poll challengers and have them thrown out of the counting centers. And for those of you who forgot, there's a photograph of uh, these um, Democrat uh, poll counting people (laughs) putting up boards to block the view from the poll challengers. Michigan's, a dishonest, Michigan's dishonest secretary of snakes, Jocelyn Benson, has been taking part in what appears to be a mass disinformation campaign, designed to glasslight Michigan voters, gaslight not glasslight Michigan voters into believing GOP and independent poll challengers who were victims of election workers who cheered when they were thrown out of the counting room or when pizza boxes were placed over the windows to cover the faces of GOP and independent poll challengers who were thrown out of the room are somehow now terrorists or extremists that need to be dealt with before the November election. Ann Howard cites several examples in her lawsuit of how Benson is working with the dishonest media to create a wild and unfounded narrative that demonizes and mischaracterizes moms, teachers, college professors, doctors, former police officers, grandparents, United States veterans, business owners, and college students who volunteer to work as poll challengers and label them as violent extremists who are interfering with elections. Here are just a few examples of how Howard cites in her lawsuit of Benson pushing false narratives to justify her illegal challenge changes to poll challenger rules. Ooh, we have an interview here. Oh, let's see here. Doubt, this is gonna come through. Yeah. Oh, I was like, she's taken too long. Oh, this is an ad, my bad guys. Okay, all right, let's just, uh, we'll go ahead and skip over. The CNN bit, I'm sure you guys don't want to see that anyways. Okay, so uh, let's see here. In uh, this interview with CNN, uh, Benson says, the mounting efforts to influence poll workers have prompted concerns over election disruptions, forcing the state to establish a code of conduct for those individuals. Poll workers who don't adhere to the rules will be removed by the local clerk if they violate the law or in any way interfere with the administration of fair and secure elections, blah, blah, blah. Benson. Blah, blah, blah. So uh, Huffington Post, um, they had an article on September 8th. It was an interview with Major Garrett on Face the Nation, and uh, he was also listed on the lawsuit. Benson was asked by the Face the Nation host what voters are most concerned about as midterms approach. Violence and disruption on Election Day. It's always violence, right? Secondly, there's a concern about the ongoing spread of misinformation, which she is like basically in charge of. The RNC filed a similar suit against Jocelyn Benson the day after Howard's lawsuit. The Federalist reported on the lawsuit in issuing such last minute guidance without any formal rulemaking or process. Benson violated Michigan's Administrative Procedures Act by merely uploading the guidance onto the Michigan Secretary of State's website, the lawsuit alleges. And let's see here. The judge in this case has combined both lawsuits. So that would be the RNC's lawsuit with um, the uh, Michiganders lawsuit. Will they get a reins Will they get reins in on this uh, out of control secretary of snakes? Like, I tell you what, guys. Look at this. Secretary of Snakes, Jocelyn Benson, she just thinks she can do everything on her own. She can ignore state laws, ignore election laws. She can create her own guidance. Pretty bad stuff there, guys. That Jocelyn Benson. Man, I I should pull up the uh, Christina Caramo's Benson Dirty Deeds, right? That would probably be be good to show you guys that. I think she's up to number eight now. Let me see real quick. Where are we at on uh, Benson's Dirty Deeds? Benson's Dirty Deeds, and then uh, tell you what, we got one more election story, and then we'll talk a little bit about Russia. Just to catch everyone up on what is going on over there, because let me tell you what, it's pretty crazy, y'all. How, uh, how much it's escalating at this point. Let me uh, pull this on the screen so you guys can get a better view. So uh, Christina Krama over on her Rumble page has been releasing a series of videos called Benson's Dirty Deeds. Very cool. And she's up to uh, number eight, it looks like here. The Secretary Who Cried Wolf. Ballot Application Apocalypse. Ballot Mules id bigotry benson's words versus the truth zuckerbucks dead voters tell you what why don't we take a look at some of these i'm gonna pick uh let's just do we already saw number one let's just uh watch number two through four real quick they're like two minutes each and you'll see guys clearly plainly oh this is zuckerbucks part two is there a part one Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, part two is the Zuckerbuck's. The Zuckerbuck's story, ladies and gentlemen. Cool, cool, cool. All right, guys, don't forget, if you are in Michigan, Christina Caramo is your choice for Secretary of State. America first, make America great again, make elections secure again. Let's uh, Let's take a look at some of these.
2: Let's see what else is on Jocelyn Benson's rap sheet, right? Oh, sorry guys. I know it's probably uh, no
0: volume. Just give me a minute. I forgot to set you guys up for some good volume. My bad, my bad. All right, she's coming back at you y'all.
3: In this episode of Benson's Dirty Deeds, we learned that Jocelyn Benson coordinated with Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook's CEO, to dump millions of dollars into Michigan Democratic nonprofits. 12 million of those Zuckerbucks to the Michigan Center for Election Law Administration, a nonprofit that Jocelyn Benson founded that also used her image even while she was Secretary of State. Within a few months, the Michigan Center for Election Law Administration spent all 12 million of those dollars on Democratic political consulting firms, Waterfront Strategies, and now Strategies under the facade of voter education. Where did that money go? Did it only benefit Democrats? There is a lawsuit regarding those dollars being dumped into Michigan, which Jocelyn Benson was an architect of this whole Zuckbuck scam. As your next chief election officer, I'm totally opposed to the Secretary of State heading up their own nonprofit, collecting millions of dollars to this nonprofit, then funneling it to partisan consulting firms, then spend on voter education. Just because something may be technically legal doesn't make it ethical. This is why ethics matters in public office. We should be committed to serving all people and never disenfranchising any voter. I would not open the door for bribes or other illegal things to enter our election systems. We must protect our voting rights which are inextricably linked to our liberty. There are many examples of lawless and unconstitutional activities from our dishonest Secretary of State. I'm running to restore honesty to the office for all Michiganders. I will ensure fair and transparent elections. Your help. Let's make Michigan's elections honest again. Please donate at ChristinaCaramo.com. All of Michigan appreciates your support. We will see you at the polls on open break.
0: Caramo, awesome. So yeah, the Zuckerbucks thing. You know, the funny thing about the Zuckerbucks thing is that as soon as it's like as soon as she caught wind that that was going to come back and bite her in the butt. Jocelyn Benson um, filed um, filed um, a motion in the courts to, like, basically uh, quash the Zuckerbuck's charge and uh, have the judges get ahead of it and say that Jocelyn Benson did fine by having Zuckerbuck's in the uh, Michigan elections. But that's the crazy thing, guys, is that as Secretary of State, she was directly responsible for Michigan getting that money, guys which is pretty crazy because in other instances, we see it's like election workers or county clerks or someone within a, within the, the election um, party side. and stuff like that for the Democrats who are trying to get On it this. Except in the case of Idaho, where you had a Republican who was actually doing that. All right, uh, here is the next episode of Jocelyn Benson's
3: Dirty Deeds. Check it out. Episode of Vengeance Dirty Deeds, we're going to discuss some of the illegal activity that took place at the TCF Center during the 2020 election. My opponent claimed on the late Frank Beckman show the poll challengers were smashing windows. The paper of the windows is because the windows were, started to, were being broken by those who were outside. That is an absolute lie. I was there, there was no window smashing. And as a matter of fact, the inside of the doors were being chained shut, which is a fire hazard. After the election, over 200 Republican poll challengers submitted sworn affidavits, alleging of all types of things, such as intimidation, illegal ballots being cast, and other things that simply opened the door for massive amounts of fraud in our election system. And when we came forward, Jocelyn Benson's response was for you to report your friends and neighbors for stating election misinformation. She's went so far now to support Dana Nestle, claiming that I, your next Secretary of State, is potentially engaging in a felony and could be criminally charged for simply saying what I saw. This type of authoritarianism cannot happen in Michigan's election. We must have a secure process. Our absentee counting boards should not be a contentious environment. Citizens should feel free to come forward and issue their concerns without the fear of being thrown in jail. As your next Secretary of State, I will have an open-door policy and an open ear. I don't care what your political affiliation is. As your next Secretary of State, I'm committed to the people of Michigan, of all political affiliations. There are many examples of lawless and unconstitutional activities from our dishonest Secretary of State. I'm running to restore honesty to the office for all Michiganders. I will ensure fair and transparent elections. Your help, let's make Michigan's elections honest again please donate at christinacaramo.com. All of Michigan appreciates your support. We will see you at the polls on November.
0: and Awesome, awesome. Yep, she's full of lies. She's full of lies and spite and vinegar that Benson is. ID bigotry. All right. Last one we'll look at for today from Christina Caramo, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, this is- Thank you, ma'am. And uh, as we begin to wind as we begin to wind down tonight's episode of the Sea Report, thanks for being here again, everyone. If you're joining us on this uh, Columbus Day, October tenth, two thousand twenty-two, at the Sea Report, um, appreciate having you along with us. Good evening, Raven Two Thousand. How's it going, ma'am? Good to see you. Glad you can be with us. And don't forget about all of the uh, broadcasting and uh, live streaming here at Mr. CTV, Lone Star News, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 3 p.m. Central Time, C Report, 7.30 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday. And though we were off the last what week or two, see in the Dark, Saturday nights, late night talk show. Good stuff, guys. Thanks for being here again. Okay, so uh, let's take a look at this final one uh, for tonight. And then one last election story before we touch on Russia and we call it a Hey, Kiss, what's going on? Good to see you.
3: On this episode of Benson's Dirty Deeds, we're going to discuss the bogus claim that Benson makes that voting ID laws are somehow racist. On June 17, 2021, I attempted to deliver 7,500 affidavits from Michigan citizens concerned about our election. Upon approaching the door, I saw a big sign stating that you must have an ID to enter this office. Does Jocelyn Benson not want black people inside of her office? The reality is this, voter ID laws are not racist. They're American. The overwhelming majority of Americans of various races support voter id laws because we know that it protects our elections and as a matter of fact if there are large populations in our state who do not have an id sounds like the secretary of state's failing at her job it is her responsibility to ensure that all the people of michigan have proper identification we need an id to do more than just vote you need an id to participate in society as a meaningful adult. This claim by Jocelyn Benson and others truly have nefarious motives. And it is a grave insult to every minority, including myself, to assume that I as a black woman am too stupid to gather an ID is disrespectful. If there are any barriers that prevent people from having an ID, I will identify those and remedy them. As your next Secretary of State, I will serve all Michiganders, and we will make sure that you have an ID. There are many examples of lawless and unconstitutional activities from our dishonest Secretary of State. I'm running to restore honesty to the office for all Michiganders. I will ensure fair and transparent elections. With your help, let's make Michigan's elections honest again. Please donate at christinacaramo.com. All of Michigan appreciates your support. We will see you at the polls on Wolf the Brave. Caramo!
0: Awesome! Do you guys see that? Do you guys see that? That was the first story that we ever ran about Christina Caramo here at the C-Report. Uh, and that was the one where she was uh, delivering all of those affidavits mm-hmm, to the Secretary of State's office that was the first story we ever told about Christina Cramo here at the sea report go back to uh summer of 2021 well she gave you the date here and uh yeah that's awesome very very cool guys vote Christina Cramo man I wish I was able to vote for her that would be so cool <laughs> all right guys let's get into this last oh oh guys I forgot to show you this how could I forget okay the dude that got kicked out do you guys want to see it i don't know if you guys have seen this or not so uh um with this uh story i was telling you about the tcf center and they're suing jocelyn benson and you had uh poll challengers who are having a respectful conversation with a security guard check it out i mean this is just it's crazy let's get this guy going
4: So why do you why do you trust them and not me? Listen, I'm not on anybody's look, side. Look, Michigan election law, Act 16 of 1954, 168.727. When they obstruct you, right? An election official refuses to act upon a legitimate challenge, which is what happened earlier. Okay. And instead of and acting there's on another challenger? And, and instead of acting on it, you're they, the only they one. started they, all they tried to do is obstruct me. Okay. But that's not you. it. Listen, just wait. Another law right here. An election official. Uh, uh, refuses to prevent intimidation of a challenger because exactly what's happening to me, these people, they don't give me their names, they don't give me any credentials. I don't even know if they work here okay. and they're demanding information from me. I understand. I have so no idea. are. So you, you can file a complaint against with, who? They refuse to give me their names. They're, and they say they don't have to. And there's dozens of them. And I'm one guy. Job? They have nothing. They just say, I see you. Well, that's their, that's private security. That's not. That's, so why? Right, so yeah. why are they allowed to do this to I, I have no idea. Hang on, hang on. We've they got were the hired by the election of staff. Do they know the law or- I, I, You're breaking? asking, you're asking- They don't know the law. So when they obstruct, right? If, you, if if after you cite Michigan election law, which I did to them multiple times, gotcha. they continue to refuse or access or restrict legitimate actions as an election challenger, I can cite Act 116 of 1954, 168.734. They are breaking the okay, law- Okay, listen to me, listen to me. So, who did you sign up to do all this with? Tennessee 3 i File of grievance. File some sort why of I have to file I, the grievance, why don't you kick them out for breaking the law? I'm love? just if I have to file the grievance, that means that they continue to do whatever they do in there and nothing gets fixed, nothing gets repaired. If they're committing fraud in there, I, I'm gone and they get to stay in there. I agree with you, but I there's nothing I can do. I'm just the middleman. Why are you I'm on their the, side? I'm not on their side. Then why are you kicking because yeah. they physically taking take you out. I have to tell you what gives them the opportunity because they're hired by this company here. I told them that they were breaking the law so and I of say, law. oh, I'm breaking the law. I apologize. <laughs> oh, they kicked me out. I just want to point this out that this guy, a t-shirt that Braden is talking about is in your laughing. One of the ICU guys, another ICU guy. Where's your stuff? It's under the, the table over there. Yeah. Do you want to tell me what it looks like?
0: That, unfortunately, is the plight we see all too often, guys. This poor, no, not this poor dude, this brave, bold, courageous dude standing up for what is right, doing it, I think, in a very uh, respectable manner, asking questions, right? I mean, it makes sense. Like, they're breaking the law. I'm being removed. You want me to file a grievance while they break the law. They keep getting to break the law and then uh, whatever the outcome of that broken law is will stand. I mean, look at, we're in 2022, right? 2020 is still standing, isn't it? I mean, 2020 is just about shaken to its foundation, but it's still standing. So uh, yeah, it's pretty sad. The frustration of Americans who just want the right thing done. I don't know what else to say about that. But yeah, that was a pretty brazen example of a... Uh, that was Jocelyn Benson's laws, guys. The ICU people and all that. According to her new guidance, that that's why they kicked him out. Because of her new guidance. That's from the uh, primary elections on August 2nd of this year. This video. Crazy, huh? All right, last election story. You guys see on the screen here a nice little ballot drop box. Is that a ballot drop box? Is that a U.S. Postal Service box? What is that, right? I don't know. I didn't see many drop boxes. Well, actually, I wasn't looking for drop boxes in Texas, if I'm being absolutely honest, right? Anyways, so as we all know, in the state of Wisconsin, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin has ruled that most absentee drop boxes not all of them but most of them we're talking like probably like 95 to 99% are unconstitutional they are unlawful they are illegal ladies and gentlemen so uh what does the progressive democrat stronghold madison wisconsin decide to do i don't know guys they this is a this is like um This is like one of those uh, catch-22 kind of things, I think, for Madison, right? Uh, They want to try and educate the population about the severe error that the Supreme Court of Wisconsin made in banning absentee drop boxes uh, by uh, adorning them with uh, propaganda and adorning them with uh, (laughs) uh, their perspective. Let's put it that way. So it's uh, it's like propaganda and art meet truth and deception on the streets of Madison Wisconsin as they are keeping their absentee ballot drop boxes of yesteryear otherwise unlawful and unconstitutional on their city streets. Uh there's a an ex, um there is a uh an expansion of that image, it says only on, and this is on the absentee ballot drop box in Madison, Wisconsin, it says on July 8th, 2022, the Wisconsin Supreme Court banned most absentee ballot drop boxes in the state. This decision is a step backward in our efforts to make it easy, safe, and secure for eligible voters to be disenfranchised on election day, plus 10. Obviously, it doesn't say that. It says uh, secure for every eligible voter to cast their ballot. And then it goes on to give them uh, some advice. Are you a city of Madison resident with an absentee ballot to return? You must return your ballot at any of the following locations. They can go to a U.S. Postal Service mailbox, a city clerk's office, uh, any in-person absentee voting location during early voting, your polling place on election day. Okay, they're just making sure that Wisconsin, Wisconsinites know, Madisonians know, that truth is powerful and will prevail. Well, why do you think the Supreme Court rules them unconstitutional? Because truth is powerful and it does prevail. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen uh there's actually an article that goes behind this the city of madison turning illegal ballot drop boxes into permanent street propaganda art ridiculing election integrity gotta love those city officials right so as we know the supreme court of wisconsin ruled four to three that state's drop boxes um are illegal that happened in july okay It says here, now in an attempt to ridicule the state high court and anyone else that thinks elections should be more secure, the city of Madison is keeping their illegal boxes on the street, calling them art. Madison Mayor Satya Rhodes Conway said, it's really important for us to acknowledge that the state Supreme Court made a very bad decision. (laughs) And to acknowledge the legislatures has failed to act, to make it easier and safer for people to vote. Isn't it just, it's perplexing these people. We do not want to remove the drop boxes in the wake of the state Supreme Court decision. I wanted to transform them to acknowledge what's happening in this state. And let them stand as a testament to the fact that this mayor is being an activist, right? This mayor is clearly being an activist, right? In the July uh, ruling, Supreme Court Justice Rebecca Bradley stated that Wisconsin law does not permit drop boxes anywhere other than election clerk offices and only state lawmakers may make new policies stating otherwise. Not the Wisconsin Elections Commission, right? Not the Secretary of State. Not the uh, county clerk. Not the county recorder. It is the prerogative of the state legislature. It is the duty, not even the prerogative. Prerogative sounds nice, you know, but it is their duty. It is their job. The Wisconsin Election Commission staff may have been trying to make voting as easy as possible during the pandemic, but whatever their motivations, the Wisconsin Elections Commission must follow Wisconsin statutes. Good intentions never override the law. So say its Supreme Court Justice, Rebecca Bradley. Hundreds of the illegal drop boxes were used in 2020, throwing the results of the election in serious doubt. More than 40% of votes cast that year were cast on absentee ballots. The irony of course, is that the boxes say, truth is power and will prevail. That's the irony of it all. Raven 2000s like, art this. Fire the mayor and city council immediately, says Philly Q. You know what, Philly Q? They need more people like you up in Wisconsin. Actually, they need more people like all of us, right? (laughs) Yeah, I would fire that mayor immediately. But then again, the mayor of my town ain't. He ain't all that great either. Actually, he's probably worse. He is a bona fide Marxist. All right, y'all. That brings us to that sweet spot, ladies and gentlemen. Is this really the sweet spot? <laughs> Russia and Ukraine. Let's take a quick trip to the other side of the world, the Eastern Hemisphere. So, you know, when this uh, conflict, this special military operation first ensued, my my thoughts were Putin needs to go in and out as quickly as possible because the longer he stays embroiled in battle, conflict, um, the more time, don't forget Kamala Harris is the one that said the passage of time. Now I'm telling you guys, she might've been talking crazy speak, but I have, uh, I have uh, taken that crazy speak and I have dissected it and analyzed it down to her telling her masters and handlers, just give us more time and it'll take care of itself, right? Well, you know, the longer that Russia stayed in the um, stayed in Ukraine, uh, the more opportunity, the more time, the passage of time, the bad guys, the uh, uh, the ne'erdwells have to counter everything that's going on, or they have the ability to um, spread their narratives and propaganda and lies through their mouthpiece the mainstream, lamestream, stream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda media. And uh, I mean, clearly, I mean, we're kind of there, but you know, I had this epiphany at the beginning of the show that said maybe Putin went into Ukraine so they couldn't investigate Ukraine. <laughs> Ain't no way you're going to investigate Burisma and their, uh, their corrupt uh, law enforcers and the corrupt law enforcement agencies when you've got a special military operation happening in your borders. (laughs) Anyhow, we saw quite the escalation this weekend. Um, We had reports coming in from all over the uh, internets, the interwebs about Russia doing a deadly major um, strike in Ukraine, in Kiev, as well, you know. So whenever you see that happening, well, at least whenever I see that happening in the uh, mainstream media, you know, I want a counter narrative. So I did my research, and as it turns out, yes, indeed, Russia did strike Ukraine and hit Kiev, and they took out a lot of infrastructure. Uh, they took out a lot of uh, important. Uh, a lot of important infrastructures and otherwise um, otherwise uh, areas that uh, Ukraine would need to survive, okay? Um, one would have to ask why. It goes back to Crimea. You know, we had the ascension of these four regions to the Russian Federation last week. Uh, we had the Ukrainian um, government, people, army, Nazis, whatever you want to call it. Whatever you want to call them, right? These globalist henchmen, right? Going on and on about how they were going to reclaim Crimea, okay? Now, back in 2014, back when the Crimean uh, people had their uh, referendum, okay, and they decided that they wanted to exit Ukraine and return to Russia... Uh, Back in 2014, there was a lot of hubbub about that back then as well. Again, we're talking about uh, Russia invading Crimea, and we're talking about uh, Russia annexing it violently, which is all untrue. I mean, it was a referendum, then the annexation happened, there was no blood, there was no guts, there was no violence. um, At least not on the part of the Russian army. But we did have the uh, um, Ukrainians who were sabotaging the area, blowing up bridges, uh, turning off the water or blowing up the water, blowing up electricity, uh, just taking all the resources away from the Crimean people. Well, it seems that that is kind of where we find ourselves this past weekend, as um, apparently the Ukrainians blew up a bridge and um, President Putin... Ah, uh, considered this just one toke over the line, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's take a look at some of these articles, just so we can kind of um, spread everything out and uh, figure it from here. Now it says uh, it says here: explosions rock major Ukrainian cities, critical infrastructure damaged. Okay, is it true? Did it happen? Did the Ukrainians do it to themselves? Are they still false flagging? No. The Russian leader Vladimir Putin confirmed that a massive strike was carried out on Ukrainian energy, communications, and military infrastructure. Let's see what happened. A series of major explosions occurred in Kiev and a number of other regions in Ukraine, including uh, Donatprop-Petrovsk, Odessa, Ivano-Frankovsk, and the Kharkov regions on Monday morning. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky declared a threat to energy infrastructure across the entire country. Critical infrastructure facilities were damaged in Kiev. There are casualties caused by explosions. The power and water supply have been disrupted in several regions, including Poltava and Lvov regions. All Ukrainian schools were switched to remote learning until the end of this week. Meanwhile, the Kiev metro and train service in Ukraine has been restored. Russian President Vladimir Putin confirmed that a massive strike was carried out on Ukrainian energy, communications, and military infrastructure and warned Kiev that if Ukrainian authorities attempt to continue carrying out terror attacks on Russian territory, responses will be brutal. So yeah, so that was the question here, guys. The question was, well, now that these four regions have ascended to the Russian Federation, this is now technically Russian territory. What's going to happen when Ukraine starts, uh, you know, attacking or they try and do an offensive? You know, they are trying to do that in the Zaporizhia, Zapor, Zaporizhia region. Uh, last week, we had read about here on the Sea Report. And uh, according to all of the um, uh, fake news media and news articles out there, you know, uh, the uh, Ukrainian offensive was doing pretty good in the Zaporizhia region. And it was almost as if, though, uh, Putin's forces could not stand up to them. I I mean, to me, I was like, maybe it's like a, a trick cauldron or something like that. And they're just going to enclose all of these Ukrainian forces with all of their new equipment and all of their new weapons that everyone from the West, including the United States and every United States uh, taxpayer, right, paid for them, like these Ukrainian uh, neo-Nazis and their forces, okay? So uh, that was the question. How is Russia going to handle it if Ukraine decides to attack these newly ascended regions? Well, Ukraine decided to hit Crimea instead of one of the four newly ascended regions. And well, this is what happened. Explosions in Kiev. A series of explosions were heard in downtown Kiev starting at 8.20 local time in the morning, according to eyewitnesses. Central streets were blocked off by law enforcement. Objects in downtown Kiev were damaged. Rescuers are working at the scene. According to the Kiev region administration head, explosions were heard at critical infrastructure sites in three districts of the region. The region is experiencing power surges. The authorities warn about the possible disruption of communications, power, and water supply. A building where the office of Ukrainian billionaire Renat Akhmetov is located was damaged. Operation of all Kiev metro lines has been restored already. Then the other regions, there were explosions in Kharkov, Dnepropetstokhovsk, Odessa, Ivano, Frankovsk, uh, Kirovograd, Kirovograd, Sumy, and other regions. According to Zelensky, there's currently a threat to energy facilities across the entire country. Kiev and uh, Kamelnytsky regions, Lvov, Dnepr, uh, Vinitsa, Avino Frankovsk region, Zaporizhia, Sumy region, Kharkov region, Zitomur region, uh, the Kyrgyzstan region, the south, Zelensky listed, according, uh, adding that there could be temporary blackouts. Damage and de- destruction. According to the Ukrainian Prime Minister Denis Shmigal, a total of 11 important infrastructure facilities were damaged in eight regions, and in Kiev, some regions were left without power. In particular, damage was sustained by energy infrastructure facilities in Lvov, Sumy, Zitomir uh, regions. In the latter, some consumers have been switched to reserve power sources. In addition, explosions were heard on critical infrastructure objects in the Ivano-Frankovsk region. A missile landed near the Burshtyn thermal power plant. Power and water supply have been disrupted in the Poltava region and in several districts of Kharkov. In uh, Kalmitsky and Sumy regions, temporary power outages are possible in the Cherkassy region. In Lvov, the hot water supplies cut off and city heat and power stations were shut down after an explosion on critical infrastructure object. The city was left without power. Power was also cut off across a part of the uh, Chernigov region in northern Ukraine. Odessa region authorities warned about possible blackouts The railway's power grid in western Ukraine is damaged, according to Ukrainian railways. Meanwhile, train service in Ukraine is being restored. Trains arrive with some delay. Uh, The visa department building of the German consulate general in Kiev was damaged, according to German foreign minister spokesman Christian Wagner. The department has not been operational for several months. Several people were killed or injured by the explosions in Kiev, according to Svetlana Vodolaga. Vodolaga. Spokeswoman of the Ukrainian State Service for emergency situations. Currently, Zelensky declared an air raid warning across the entire country, saying that energy infrastructure facilities were being targeted. The warning was later canceled in all regions of Ukraine. The authorities urged people to stay in shelters. All schools were switched to remote learning until the end of the week. Utilities have already begun working to restore damaged uh, infrastructure. All Ukrainian train terminals are operating as usual. Um, and these are statements from Russia. According to Russian President Vladimir Putin, a strike with precision long-range ground, naval, and air-based weapons was carried out on Ukrainian energy, communications, and military infrastructure objects at the suggestion of the Ministry of Defense and under the plan provided by the general staff. According to Putin, Kiev, by its actions, has actually put itself on the same footing as international terrorist organizations. Wait, you mean with Nazis? in? Their army and government, they're not already on the same path and footing as an international terrorist organization. (laughs) Um, Putin said it is simply no longer possible to leave crimes of this kind unanswered. Putin warned that if Kiev continued to carry out terror attacks on the Russian territory, responses will be brutal and will correspond in scale to the level of threats created for the Russian Federation. The strike has achieved its goal. Russian Defense Minister Spokesman, Lieutenant General Igor uh, Konashnikov said, adding that all designated targets were damaged. So then you have international reaction. The U.S. Embassy in Kiev urged all citizens um, present in Ukrainian territory to leave the country as soon as possible. The EU High Representative Joseph Borrell condemned the attacks on Kiev. G7 emergency meeting will convene. Uh, Zelensky said after a phone call with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, Zelensky said he will deliver an address at the meeting. Scholz assured Zelensky of solidarity from Germany and other G7 states. Zelensky also had a phone call with French President Emmanuel Macron de Cabron discussing the need for strong European and international reaction to the situation. Uh, Zelensky also had an emergency consultation with Polish President Andrzej Duda The Italian Foreign Ministry condemned the missile strikes on Ukraine and reaffirmed its support to Kiev. The Canadian Foreign Ministry made a similar statement. How long do you think the Italian Foreign Ministry is going to support Kiev under uh, Georgia Meloni? That's a lot of stuff going on over there, right, guys? Right? A lot of stuff going on. So, uh, obviously, you've got little prostitute Zelensky crying to United Nations and the rest of the world and NATO Oh, you need to condemn what Putin has done when they're the ones who are instigating it. Ladies and gentlemen, here's this article from Sputnik. Russia's infrastructure strikes show Crimean bridge was red line and Kiev crossed it. So Kiev struck a bridge to Crimea. And this is how Putin responded, ladies and gentlemen. Do you think he's bluffing? Hmm, let's take it out. Russia conducted mass long-range missile strikes against energy infrastructure communications and military command facilities deep inside Ukraine on Monday, with the bombardment taking place two days after Ukrainian security forces carried out a terror attack against the Crimean Bridge linking the Russian peninsula to the mainland. At a meeting um, of the Russian Security Council meeting on Monday, President Putin said that Moscow's campaign of massed air and missile strikes against Ukraine were a response not only to the attack on the Crimean Bridge, but a long list of other terrorist actions by Kiev in recent months targeting Russian infrastructure and even Ukraine's own cities and peoples. The Ukrainian authorities' action put them on par with the most odious terrorist groups, and Russia could not leave such crimes unanswered, Putin said. If the terrorism against Russia continues, Moscow's responses will be tough and will correspond in scale to the level of threat posed. Monday strikes targeted infrastructure across an area stretching more than 1,000 kilometers with electricity generating infrastructure and military targets stretching from Kharkov to Dnepropsk, Trovosk to Odessa, Kiev, uh, Turnpol, and Lvov hit in the missile attacks, which temporarily left swaths of the country without access to electricity. So uh, that is how President Putin, Vladimir Putin, responded. Russia does not bluff. Let's see here. Scott Ritter, a former U.S. Marine Corps intelligence officer and a U.N. weapons inspector and independent military analyst, told Sputnik, I think Russia had warned that an attack on critical infrastructure such as the Crimean Bridge would represent a red line and that if Ukraine crossed it, the nature of the conflict would be transformed. And so I think we're seeing the manifestation of this. Here's what Ritter went on to say. I don't know what Ukraine thought they were going to accomplish by attacking the Crimean Bridge. I don't know if that momentary feeling of accomplishment is worth the price. That's a question only Ukraine can answer once the full extent of the retaliation is understood. But this retaliation may be extended over time and will most likely be devastating. This is a tragedy for the Ukrainian nation. I'm not saying that Russia is not justified in doing this. I'm saying that it did not need to happen. And the blame rests fully with Ukraine for attacking the Crimea Bridge. The analyst pointed out that in the eight months up to this moment, Moscow largely restricted the special military operation to Ukrainian military targets and avoided fighting the conflict in the same way that the Ukrainian military has done since it began its terror bombing and shelling its civilians in the Donbass in 2014. Even Monday's strikes were aimed at targets which are legitimate under the laws of war, Ritter emphasized. They are legitimate infrastructure targets. They are legitimate command and control targets. This is not an assault on innocent civilian population centers. So there's a distinct difference between the way Russia approaches strategic conflict and Ukraine approaches strategic conflict. You see that, guys? We have all of this information out there available to us. And yet, we still have like a group of patriots that think uh Kiev and Ukraine should be restored to the beauty and glamour it once was. I mean, the way that politicians handle Ukraine. I'm not talking about Russia. Leave Russia out of it, leave Putin out of it. Let's not talk about Russia or Putin. Let's just talk about Ukraine. Let's just talk about their history. Let's just talk about their corruption. Okay? We don't need to talk about Putin, we need to talk about Ukraine. Now, just like election integrity, the way your politician handles the topic of Ukraine and its military and its Nazis and its corruption should be a clear litmus test as to whether or not these people are really about saving America and making America great again, ladies and gentlemen. Don't even got to talk about Putin, we don't even got to talk about Russia. If I have a Trump-supporting Save America Republican standing in front of me saying that we need to help Ukraine and we need to help Kiev, never mind Putin, I ain't voting for them because they've already given how many billions of dollars of our tax money. How many how many grandchildren's grandchildren will we be paying for this uh, excursion in Ukraine? Too many, ladies and gentlemen. Too. Many. You got people saying that uh, already President uh, Putin and Russia are attacking civilians in Kiev. Such acts have no place in the 21st century. I condemn them. Joseph Borrell Fontalez. <laughs> it's ridiculous, guys. Ridiculous. But there you go. So that's a kind of a quick catch up on what happened this past weekend in the um, special military operation that uh, Russia is having in Ukraine. Now, check this one out. We'll close today's uh, show with this story. OK, this story coming out of Sputnik about the Crimean bridge attack. Ukraine's sabotage team takes orders from Washington. Senior officials reveal. Is this Russian propaganda? Is this a Russian bot story? What do you guys think? We've been hearing about stuff like this the entire time, right? United States, Canadian, United Kingdom, Five Eyes all over there helping the Nazis in Ukraine because they can't, you know scratch their watch or wind their butt? Let's see what this article has to say. You guys, I'll let you guys decide whether you think this is uh, Russian propaganda or if it's real. This will be a a nice uh, exercise for new viewers and new audience members to the Sea Report. We look at both sides of the story and whoever seems to be telling the truth, yeah. So the 19-kilometer bridge linking the Crimean peninsula to the Russian mainland sustained serious damage following the detonation of a truck bomb on one of its road sections on Saturday morning, Ukrainian officials boasted to U.S. media that Kiev was responsible. Ukrainian officials keep their U.S. counterparts abreast of Kiev's sabotage ops and other anti-Russian actions. Sergei Pashinsky the head of the Association of Ukraine's Defense Enterprises, accidentally revealed. Here's what Sergei Pashinsky had to say. He says, we are planning several operations. My position is we must and are obliged to inform our American partners about them and those operations which I am conducting right now, I have the opportunity to conduct operations myself, I, uh, channels, this is also the CIA have their own intentions. Okay, so there's some audio cut in this uh, text. Because I understand that the United States also carries responsibility for them and has the right to veto all of our operations, Pachinsky said, speaking to infamous Russian prankster Vladimir Vovin uh, Kuznetsov and Alexei Lexis Stolyarov, who posed as U.S. officials. Dang, guys, they got, they struck again, these two guys, they struck again. Pashinsky clarified that these are the guys that got Adam Schiff, aren't they? They're the ones that got Adam Schiff and was like, we've got pictures of Trump in Russia with uh, prostitutes. (laughs) and golden showers, and and Schiff was like, just send it over, just send it over, oh my goodness. Pashinsky clarified that he has been in charge of some major Ukrainian military actions, including operational planning on Zmeni, Snake Island, the small but strategically significant island situated off the western coast of Romania in the Black Sea, and which saw heavy fighting between Ukrainian and Russian forces earlier this year. He says, I planned the Snake Island operation. I carried it out personally using Ukrainian Bowdoin and French Caesar howitzers. Yes, this was my operation in its entirety. Pashinsky (laughs) Pashinsky indicated that operations against a piece of infrastructure like the Crimean Bridge became possible only once the United States gives the green light. Pashinsky says, as soon as you tell me that the United States approves the sabotage of the Crimean Bridge... The situation can move forward. And then he laughs. A verbal message is enough for me. We don't want to take responsibility of this scale for ourselves. While Mr. Zelensky, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even want to know about this situation. The Crimean Bridge is an important artery. But on the other hand, I think you know uh, Vladimir Putin better than I do. That is, who can analyze Putin's actions in the event of sabotage against the Crimean Bridge? Who? That's uh, that is Pashinsky saying that the pranksters did not clarify whether the interview with Pashinsky was conducted before or after Saturday's sabotage attack. Two senior Ukrainian officials told The New York Times on Sunday that Ukrainian intelligence were behind the attack on the bridge, one of them grading the success of the attack as excellent and saying that the operation showed the failure of the Russian system to guarantee security, even of the most significant and sacred targets. Oh, my goodness. That's so dumb. That is so dumb, y'all. We're going to blow this bridge up to prove that Russia does not do their job at securing these. You know, I mean, they're like they're like chihuahuas or what, what was a better a better analogy? Like uh, piranhas. <laughs> Ukrainian officials also publicly gloated over the act of terror with presidential advisor Mikhail Podol. Podol-, Podol- Podolyak saying the bridge attack was only the beginning and that everything illegal must be destroyed and everything stolen must be returned to Ukraine. Today was not a bad day and mostly sunny on our state's territory. Unfortunately, it was cloudy in Crimea, although it was also warm, President Vladimir Zelensky said in a sarcasm-laden address to the nation on Saturday night. That's terrible. So Russia launched their series of missile strikes deep into Ukraine in the wake of the bridge attack. And uh, that's basically going to catch us up, ladies and gentlemen. I heard it was something like 70 missiles. Russia sent 70 missiles into, uh, into Ukraine. Crazy. Crazy, guys. All right, they need to, this just needs to end, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure all of you all would agree. It just needs to end. <laughs> they got shifted again, says uh, Philly Q. Thanks for hanging out today, y'all. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the C Report. I hope it was informative, if not at least somewhat slightly entertaining. I appreciate you guys being here on a Monday day, uh, Monday afternoon, a Monday holiday, Columbus Day, right? All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for today. It's going to wrap it up for today. Don't forget to visit us over at our um, social media accounts, Truth Social at MRCTV underscore and Gab at uh, MR underscore CTV. Try saying that twice fast. <laughs> uh the for more information on the sea report and what i do here and uh other broadcasting platforms for those of you at pill.net thank you so much and uh the foxhole app thank you so much for your donations today uh, throughout the show and to everyone else out there enjoying the broadcast whether you're at rumble twitch trovo clout hub odyssey foxhole pilled Thank you again for being here. I'll be back tomorrow with more news and information that is America First and uh, well, usually has to do with elections. I appreciate y'all being here and you guys have a great night. And don't forget, y'all, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you next time. Take care.
2: Let's talk about Georgia.
0: Uh President Trump truthed about this earlier. Ballot images missing, right? Drop boxes with no video and Disney's like, well, we don't care about that. We're gonna die on this hill. We're gonna be gay and we're gonna rape our children no matter what you say because we are Disney. Uh, we don't normally run Sea in the Dark uh, during the week. Uh, for those of you who are wondering what the heck is this bald band talking about, uh, you know, multiple broadcasts and shows come here on Mr. CTV channel. Uh, so you got your C report Monday through Friday in the evening hours, right? And uh, we do "See in the Dark, which is a late night weekend talk show kind of, you no. Know, Broadcast, right? So, guys, watch out. We got a swamp creature coming to the screen. So, look out now. Look out now. <laughs> oh no, it's wretched Gretchen Whitmer. Check out the political truth apparel line. Cofefe. Rhino Hunting Season, Secretary of Snakes, and more to come. Fun, fashionable, edgy, occasional. Go to Mr. C Online Store at www.TheSeaReport.com. Click on the top right menu. Use coupon code 1776REBORN at checkout.